Man, such a. I don't know what kind of day this is. A stormy day, spring day, a typical March day. Um, turn with me uh, in your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're nearing the end of our series on the one another's. I was just sitting there as we were singing, I was trying to think of. Um, if I could actually recall all the one another's. I don't even know if myself could. We had love one another. We had bear one another's burdens. Uh, we had pray for one another. Um, we had um, be hospitable to one another. We had submit to one another. Um, yeah, I'm already forgetting some of the other ones. So we've, we've had quite a few. Um, and uh, certainly I would encourage you to go back and, and maybe listen to some of these again. Um, open up those those pages and, and meditate on those things. Uh, again, the the reason why we're doing this is our, our goal for this year is uh, to really build relationships with one another. Um, we want to be a local church here who is caring for one another and praying for one another and know one another. Like we know uh, each other, and certainly um, there are a lot of us here, so it's um, it's an exciting challenge for that. Um, what we have today is we have uh, serving one another, serving one another. Um, so in Galatians chapter five, um, we're going to read verse one, and then we're going to read uh, verses thirteen uh, through fifteen. Galatians chapter five, verse one: Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. The Lord will bless the reading of His Word again this morning. Uh, let's just um, have a quick word of prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You again for Thy Holy Spirit. We're so grateful uh, for the Holy Spirit moving um, Paul here to write these words so many years ago. And we would ask this morning that Your Spirit would move in our hearts this morning, uh, that uh, you illuminate our hearts and our minds as to um, the truth that you want us to understand from your word this morning. We pray that your son uh, would be honored and lifted up and glorified uh, in this place this morning. And not only here, but all around uh, the world as uh, your people gather together in your son's name. We pray uh, that the body of Christ will be built up uh, together um, for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, in the context of our portion here in Galatians chapter 5, uh, the first thing that I hear that Paul states, Paul states the foundation, or I should say restates, because he's actually been going through this uh, in this epistle, but Paul here restates the foundation of the Christian life. And that is this, is that you were called to liberty. Okay? That is the foundation that Paul brings up very first. Listen, you have been called to freedom. Liberty is an interesting topic today, right? Uh, there's a lot of different ideas of what people have of what freedom is, what liberty is. Um, 
the, the, the freedom, the, the liberty that, that Paul is talking about here, which is the foundation of the Christian life, is, is a freedom of, of conscience. Uh, it's a freedom of the mind. Um, it is liberation of the spirit. Right? Some people think that freedom, right, is, is being able to do whatever we please. That we have been called to this, this liberty, which means that we don't have any limits. There's no boundaries now for us who are Christians. Uh, there are no confinements. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'll try to illustrate to you this way. Is, uh, we have a pretty large uh, river uh, that's well known in our country. In fact, we could use any kind of river for this illustration. But I was thinking of the Mississippi River that flows uh, from the northern states there all the way down into uh, the Gulf of Mexico there. And it is a free-flowing river. The Mississippi River flows freely, even as we speak right now. Uh, But the interesting thing about the Mississippi River is that it flows freely within its boundaries. (laughs) You see, if the Mississippi River did not have boundaries, right, it can actually be very destructive, couldn't it? It could be very damaging. Uh, Not only that, but if, if the Mississippi River did not have some sort of border or some sort of boundaries, it would actually just go out and actually become like a stagnant pool. It wouldn't be even a free-flowing river anymore. And so uh, it is a, a, a um, river that freely flows within its boundaries. And I just thought, uh, that's such a beautiful illustration here of the liberty that we have been called into, right? That Paul states here, right? When we accept the redemptive payment, right, at Calvary's cross, Christ sets us free by love to serve others. Right? Free to be no longer occupied by our sin. Free to be no longer bound up and contained by our own weaknesses, by our own failures. Free from all forms of rules and regulations. We've been set free from that. No longer having to follow a certain law in order to gain favor with God. You've been set free from that. In fact, Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. In Romans chapter 7, verse 6, it says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And that's why I read to us verse 1 today of Galatians 5. Brothers and sisters, before we even get into this idea of serving in love one another, we need to stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Amen? Stand fast this morning in knowing that you have been set free. You have been set free. Jesus Christ, at the cross of Calvary, paid the price for your sin. And you have been set free. And Paul here says, stand fast then in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. <clears throat> liberty, right, is, is something of the mind. Liberty is something of the spirit. When we talk about liberty and we talk about freedom, we're not necessarily talking about physical freedom, right? Um, one of the uh, ladies I was just recently learning about, I was very encouraged by, is uh, uh, some of you may remember her from the um, 
1600s was Madame Goyen. Okay, a Goyen. Okay, uh, she was a French woman, um, and uh, she was a woman uh, later in her life, in her 20s, she came to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. Right, and she came to know the liberty by which Christ had made her free. Well, uh, she was, because of her faith in Jesus Christ, was thrown into a dungeon. And there she served ten years. Ten years as a prisoner just because she would not renounce uh, her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason I share this story with you is that she was a beautiful woman. And uh, in the sixth year of her imprisonment, uh, she um, got smallpox. And I don't know if you know what smallpox does to you, but um, her outside of her body began to deteriorate. And here is this woman spending the last few years in prison, um, inflicted with smallpox, uh, unjustly uh, in prison here. And in her ninth year, her ninth year of prison, she writes this hymn. And these are just two of the lines of this hymn. She says this. She says, My cage confines me round, abroad I cannot fly. But though my wing is closely bound, my heart's at liberty. For prison walls cannot control the flight, the freedom of the soul. She says, oh, it is good to soar these bolts and bars above to him whose purpose I adore, whose providence I love. And in thy mighty will to find the joy, the freedom of the mind. (laughs) She understood this liberty that Paul exhorts us this morning to stand fast in. It's a freedom of the mind. It's a freedom of the spirit. It's not necessarily a physical thing. And so, Paul now, based on this divine call, right, to stand fast in this liberty, he then gives a twofold command in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5. And one of them is a negative command, and one of them is a positive. Right? Look what he says here in verse 13. He says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. And there's that foundation, right, that Paul starts with. And then here's the first command. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Peter actually says the same thing. Right? In 1 Peter chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. In verse 16, he says that as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, right? Or wickedness, but as bondservants of God. So Paul here, based on this foundation here, then says, hey, listen. You have been called to liberty, but don't use your liberty right, as an opportunity for the flesh. The second command he gives, more in the positive light, he says, but through love serve one another. And so Paul gives this divine call and he gives this twofold command. And then what he does is to support this twofold command, he actually gives two incentives to obey these commands. One again, a positive, and one a negative incentive to love. Look what he says. He says, okay, don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Instead, through love, serve one another. Because if you do, look at verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Paul's saying if you do this, you actually fulfill the whole law. Now remember, we know the audience right here that Paul's writing in Galatia. He's, he's combating this whole idea of the law. They've been wanting to keep the law. These are ones who feel like that's how they gain favor with God is keeping the law. 
And Paul has been knocking down all those things throughout this epistle. He says, listen, okay, if you want to fulfill the law, here's how you can fulfill it. In love, serve one another. You can fulfill the whole law by doing so. Right? But on the contrary, he says this, the other incentive uh, to not in love serving one another, he says, if you don't, he says, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So to me, it's very interesting here that Paul lays out for us, right, this divine call. You have been called to liberty. And based on that, there are two commands. One, that we are to not use that liberty, right, as an opportunity for the flesh, but instead, in love, we are to serve one another. Why? Because when you do, you fulfill the whole law. And if you don't, Paul is saying, you destroy yourselves. A church of people who do not serve each other in love will destroy itself. It's our fallen condition. It's our nature. If we don't understand this divine call that we have been brought into, this call of liberty, this freedom that we have, and if we don't understand... That in love now, we are commanded to serve one another. Paul here says that we will destroy each other. We will consume one another if we don't in love serve one another. And really, that's the main point of this text that Paul is getting at. is through love, serve one another. Serve one. What does this mean to serve? To serve. It actually comes from a word, a Greek word, that actually literally means to be a slave. Part of the word that makes up this word is a word that literally means a slave. And it's interesting, I was looking at this, all of the writers of the New Testament, John, Peter, James, Jude, if you go look at their epistles, they all start their epistles off as Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. James, a slave of Jesus Christ. Remember by my might be translated servant, but the word actually means slave, right? These men understood, right, uh, who they were. And they would use this word to even introduce their letters. But this word itself here, even though that's part of it, it actually means to, to be in bondage. It means to be in bondage. It means uh, to do service, to do service. So in the Greek, you could translate it this way, uh, be servants to one another. Or you could say, be in bondage to one another. Right? In other words, Paul here is saying, make it a habit to be slaves one to another. Make it a habit to be slaves one to another. He says, if you must be servants, then be servants to one another in love. Now, certainly, while free to legalism, right? that Paul's addressing here in this letter, he says, while being free as to legalism, right, be bound by love to serve one another. Interesting thing, too, is when you look at this verse, that word love, when he says, in love, serving one another, the word love, the article that's attached to it, actually um, personifies love, which is really interesting. It actually is as if love is a person. In the abstract there. It's very interesting. Paul does not consider them as freed from all law and all restraint, but they are to be governed by the law of love. And really, hereby, Paul is saying, this is how you show, right, that Christ has made you free. 
Right? How do we show that we have been set free? Paul says, well, by being governed by a law of love and serving one another. And so this love for each other, if we love each other to this point that Paul's saying, um, we can love each other so well, right, that there'll be mutual service and helpfulness amongst each other. And so as we look at this one another, as far as serve one another, or as I said in the, in the original Greek, is literally make it a habit to be slaves one to another. I want to look at first, what are some enemies of service? Right? What, what are some um, things that we could be careful, we need to be careful about when it comes to serving uh, one another? And the first one I want to look at uh, is in Luke chapter 15. Take a look at Luke chapter 15. A story that many of us have heard, the prodigal son. What we're going to look at in this story is look at the brother. A lot of you know this story. Um, there's a father and he's got uh, two sons. And the one son says, hey dad, listen, I want my inheritance now. And he takes his father's inheritance and he goes and he squanders it and parties and has a good time, and then it gets to a point where he's squandered all of it. It's all gone. He's found himself at a point where you know uh, he's, he's eating the scraps that they feed the pigs. And he comes to this realization. He says, hey, listen, you know what? If I could just go home, I'll be a slave for my dad. Right? I, I'll be one of his, his hired servants, and this is better than what I'm doing right now. And so he makes a decision to go back to dad and say, hey, listen, dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Just make me a servant. Make me a servant, and I'll, and I'll work for you. And of course, we know the story that the father has been looking for his son ever since he left. His father runs to him, embraces him. He kills the fattened calf. He throws a party, right? He's so excited that his son has come home, right? And so, um, in verse 25 of uh, Luke chapter 15, it says, Now his older son, who was in the field, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. Listen to this. But he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. It's the same word there. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat even that I might make merry with my friends. I thought, wow, I think we need to be very careful when it comes to service of self-righteousness. Here is this father's older son, and all this time he's been serving his father. And it came to this point here where his younger son um, came home Right, and, and here's the thing with self-righteousness that we can at least take from this story is this. It results in refusing to participate in your father's joy. He refused. The father pleaded with him to come in, and he says, no, I am not going to uh, participate in your joy, Dad. And too often we do that too. Is too often in our service for one another, there's this self-righteousness and unfortunately, it results in us not being able to participate in our Father's joy. And so we need to be careful of arrogance in our lives. That we are serving, we're serving, but inside there's a self-righteousness. There's an arrogance. Take a look at Luke 16. It's just one chapter over. 
Luke chapter 16, verse 13. It says, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Now listen to this here. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we think, what is mammon? Okay? Mammon is money. Okay? Mammon is money. And so, one of the things that we've got to be careful for, one of the enemies of um, service is not only self-righteousness, but mixed motives. Okay? Mixed motives. And, and these mixed motives, they, they result in divided loyalty. If, if we ourselves are mastered by money, we cannot really be serving the Lord. We can't do it. Okay? Our decisions are not impartial. So often, right, money cries out for the time that we should be giving to the Lord in service or others. We need to be careful of that. The, the world would tell you, hey, listen, make as much money as you can. Right? Don't worry about the time that it takes away from your family. Don't worry about the time that it takes you away from your church family. Right? You need to be able to make a good living. And so we've got to be careful Money is not evil, right? It's not the root of uh, evil, but the love of money. Right? We cannot be ones who are mastered by it. Remember, as Paul just said, we have been called to this liberty. Okay? Don't fall back in any kind of bondage. Okay? Don't let mammon, don't let money master you. Because what happens is then, like I said, you'll have mixed motives. Okay? <clears throat> I would certainly ask yourself this morning, right? When we are serving, we need to ask ourselves, why am I serving? Why am I serving this brother or sister? Why am I doing this? Right? Is it for mixed motives? Or is it because you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Right? And then love your brother or sister. We've got to be careful um, that uh, we don't have divided loyalty. We are loyal to Christ and Him only. And that's why we serve in love uh, to one another. So we've got to be careful of self-righteousness, arrogance. We've got to be careful of mixed motives. But look at Ephesians chapter 6. This is a hard one. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Brothers and sisters, one of the enemies of service is eye service. (laughs) Being men pleasers. And what that results in is is insanity of heart. If we are ones who only serve others because we want to see who's watching us, (laughs) then we have a problem. As servants, we should be doing the will of God from the heart. From the heart. Serving with good will. Right? Not with an outward display of compliance, right? 
while inwardly we're seething with resentment. (laughs) That's not what God intends. And that goes for every kind of relationship, right? The, the, The husband and the wife, right? You can't just on the outward, like being compliant all the time with your spouse, while inside you're seething resentment. And that's so dangerous, brothers and sisters. It, it, it'll develop a root of bitterness, right? Which leads to all other kinds of sins. Right? But it's the same with us here, right? We cannot just be on the outside, you know, uh, serving one another, but inside there is a resentment towards our brother or our sister. Right? And we're only doing it because, you know, we want everybody to think that we're a good, good Christian. Right? It's an insincere heart. Right? God wants us to serve from the heart, from a heart that's sincere, not insincere. God wants us to serve one another cheerfully, willfully, right? not resentfully. And then uh, in Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, Verse 10, please. Galatians 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Some of the enemies of service are not only self-righteousness, which results in refusing to participate in our Father's joy, mixed motives, which results in divided loyalty, I service, which results in an insincere heart. But one of the uh, enemies of service, too, is indifference, resulting in inactivity. Let me try to illustrate it to you this way. Uh, there was actually a lady, a true story. Her name is Kitty uh, Genovese. Uh, she was a young woman who was murdered in a New York residential section while at least, listen, 38 neighbors watched from their windows. During the course of the 30-minute assault, not one even telephoned the police. Some surprising facts have been uncovered about these people. Interviews revealed that they were not totally indifferent, as many had suspected. The main reason nobody did anything was that each person thought someone else would take the initiative to get help. And that's not true of us. So many times we are not doing what we know needs to be done because we're just thinking someone else is going to do it. We don't take the initiative. Right? We're indifferent. We think, you know what? I just figured he was going to do it. Right? I figured she was going to do it. And we're going to get into this later on. Is that Listen, we are called to, in love, serve one another. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It is a command. To serve one another. And one of the great enemies of service is this indifference. Thinking that, hey, listen, someone else will do it. Let me give you some reasons why we need to serve one another. Look at Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, we're just going to look at verse 26 and 27. 
Um, for context, we'll start in verse 25, actually. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, who, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Listen, one of the reasons why we need to in love serve one another is because true greatness is in serving. True greatness. Listen, we're living in a time where you hear all the time. People talk about, well, what's, who's great? Who's the greatest? Who's the goat? Right? Who's the greatest of all time? And we have all these people that they throw out there. Oh, he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Or he's the greatest actor of all time. He was the greatest president of all time. Right? Listen, in God's economy here, he says, listen, true greatness are those who serve. Those who serve. In fact, John the Baptist, right? Um, when John the Baptist sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus while he was in prison, he said, hey, listen, just, just check. Make sure he's the one. You know, ask him, is he the one whom God has sent, right? Um, and when Jesus sends them back to give Paul, I mean, sorry, give John the Baptist his message, right? Jesus says an amazing thing. He says, listen, among men born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Man, wow. John the Baptist was someone who served. He was someone who served. He knew what his place was. He was the forerunner to the Messiah. He understood his place. And the Lord Jesus described him as none greater but here, again, in this portion here, we learn that true greatness is serving. That's where true greatness lies. Right? The song the old kids always sing, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Right? If you want to be great, right? that's God's idea of greatness. Be a servant. Serve someone else. Right? But not only that, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I know we, uh, we actually touched on this a little bit a few weeks back when we were doing submit to one another. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, Paul speaking here, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men. Why? That I might by all means save some. (laughs) Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Why serve? For the gospel's sake. <laughs> right? Paul says right here, he goes, I myself have become a servant to all that I might win some. <laughs> right? Did you catch that? Paul's willing to serve all for the sake of just one coming to know Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's why we serve. We serve not only because true greatness is in serving, 
but it's for the gospel's sake that we ourselves may partake of it with each other. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, please. Hebrews chapter 6. This is a great verse here. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. It says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Look what he says here. He says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. How did they do that? In this, in that you have served the saints, or you have ministered to the saints and do minister or do serve. Interesting, right? So not only do we serve because that's where true greatness lies, we not only serve because it's for the gospel's sake, but for and according to Hebrews here, it's for his name's sake. Right? The Lord himself says here that when you serve the saints, you did it for my name's sake. <laughs> right? What a tremendous incentive to serve one another. Because as you serve, right, it says here, God is not unjust to forget that. God will remember that. Right? Because you did it for His namesake. Serving the saints. And then one of the last reasons, uh, turn to Mark chapter 10, please. If for no other reason this morning... This one should cause us to serve in love one another. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 42. Jesus called them to himself and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. One of the great incentives for serving is Christ-likeness. One of the most Christ-like things that you can do in your life is serve. He just says it right here in Mark. But we read in Philippians chapter 2, right, that the Lord Jesus Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but He emptied Himself, right? And He took on the nature of a bondservant, a slave. Right? And having become a man, He became obedient to the point of death, even death of cross. We've already looked at in this series too how Jesus Christ, right, his disciples, he removed his outer garment, he girded himself with a towel, and he washed their feet. He washed their feet. He taught them what it was like to be a servant, to be a servant, because that is one of the most Christ like things that we can do is in love serve one another. A tremendous reason. And so, how do we serve then? Right? How is it that we serve 
one another. <clears throat> Turn with me to First Peter chapter four, please. First Peter chapter four. Beginning in verse 10. And when you see the, uh, the word minister here, it's the same word that we've been looking at uh, for serve. Beginning in verse 10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if anyone ministers... Let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I've been uh, spent a lot of time on this and looking at this and, and, and meditating on it, and, and it seems to me it's very clear here that the way that we serve one another is with our gifts. Peter here makes it very clear. He says, listen, okay? God has actually, when you got saved, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God gave you gifts, spiritual gifts, right? Why? So that you can serve others. Right? That was the reason why he gave us gifts, right? Is to serve the body of Christ. And he breaks it down here into two categories. He goes, listen, all the gifts, right? There's 19, 20 of them. Whatever, right? But he says all of them can fall into two categories. Very simple. There's speaking gifts and there's ministry uh, gifts or service. That's what they all fall into. He goes, and God uses these gifts to serve his people. And you think, okay, well, how do we serve one another? Well, listen, brothers and sisters, you've got to use your gift. God has given you a gift or gifts to serve others. And so you might say to yourself this morning, okay, I don't know what my gift is. And I feel like we've, you know, we've said this before, right? Okay, so if you don't know what your gift is, right, how are you ever going to find out what your gift is? Is it going to like one night, just magically in a dream, you know, God tells you, do you have a gift? No, it doesn't happen that way. You're going to like read something and all of a sudden this book, will, this word will stand out to you. No, it, right? What happens is, is, God has called you to serve, right? And as you step in and serve, right, God then will reveal to you what your gift is. If you sit on the sidelines every single day and you're not doing anything in service to one another, you're never going to discover what your gift is. I'm talking to those who may not know what their gift is, right? The only way that you're ever going to discover, oh, this is what God has kind of gifted me in, is if you just step in. And get involved in serving one another. Those of you that feel you know what your gift is, well, then you've got to look at, okay, where are some ways that I can use this gift to serve others? Right? Because this is, guys, it says right here, it says, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God didn't ask you. He didn't say, hey, listen, um, do you mind if I give you a gift? Because you need to be responsible for it. God said, no, no, when you got saved, 
You were responsible for a gift that I gave you. And you're going to have to give an account. Right here it says that you have to be a good steward of the gift that God has given you. How are you doing? (laughs) Now, I'm going to suggest to you some examples of positions of service that right just here at Brantford. And certainly it can extend outside of Brantford too. Okay? But these are just some examples that you can say, as I'm reading through this, say, oh, you know what? That sounds like something I could do. Oh, that sounds like something I could try. Okay? But brothers and sisters, you have been commanded to serve one another in love. And God has given you a gift or gifts to obey that command. And as we looked at already is that if we do, we fulfill the whole law of Christ. If you don't, there's a good chance that we will destroy each other. That's what Paul's saying. That's our, our tendency, guys. And so we need to have this mindset that, listen, I have to serve someone else. Not only because it's where true greatness lies, not only because for the gospel's sake, not only for it's his namesake, but it's the most Christ-like thing you can do. And I know everyone here wants to be like Christ. So here's some examples here. Right? Here, remember, we have Sunday school and Bible study teachers. That would fall into those speaking gifts. You may not have a speaking gift. But if you do, there's opportunities there. We need Sunday school teachers. We need Bible study teachers. When I say Bible study teachers, well, you've got, Elaine's got Bible study on Tuesdays. Uh, you've got youth group where we, uh, the kids are uh, studying the Bible. You've got, um, Try to think what else. We've, we've had lots of different areas. You have, you know, small groups now too, where you have leaders that, that do those things as well. And then of course you've got the Sunday school, right? We have children and youth leaders. There's all kinds of children and youth leaders. What do I mean by that? You know, off the top of my head is I know that, um, I think Elizabeth and Dorothy, right, are, are helping with some of our young women setting up and cleaning up in the kitchen. They're considered a, a youth leader or a child's leader, right? We have youth group leaders uh, for our teenagers. Right? You can get involved with that. You don't have to have a speaking gift for that. You might have some of these other gifts to help with that. Um, we have administrators. What do you mean by that? Well, we have the Sunday school superintendent, which we have not had here in I don't know how many years. <laughs> many. Okay? Okay? Maybe that's something that you're gifted in, and you can help serve us in that way by you know, uh, administering. And there's lots of other administrative ways. We're, we're grateful for... For John and, and the way that he's administrated, like the speaking schedule and the ushers and things like that. Hey, those are all opportunities. Uh, we need workers to upkeep the building and the grounds. What a great way to serve. Okay? I've heard people mention the interior decorating committee. I've heard people, the, the outdoor committee. Right? There's opportunities there for you to serve. Maybe you're not one with a speaking gift. You're like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to serve in some way. That's a great way to serve. Just upkeeping the grounds around here. Yeah, it was very uh, sobering as uh, I was talking to someone recently who came to Brantford some, some time ago, um, but he just happened to be here because he knew someone else who was going here, and, uh, and he didn't mean anything by it, but I just thought it was funny. He says, yeah, I came by here once, and I was like, man, this place needs some work. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, it's sad. How many people drive by here and they go, oh, man, what, what's going on out there? Okay? But you have an opportunity. If that's something that you like to do, you can do. Um, transportation workers, for those unable to drive. Who gave you a ride today, Esther? Anybody? All right. Wonderful. Thank you, Gene. Okay. We have opportunities for you to give people rides who can't otherwise drive right now. Okay. Um, we have outreach workers. 
Okay? Those of you that love to evangelize and, and, and do outreach, we have opportunities there. Ushers and greeters. Okay? Music ministry, we need musicians, vocalists, right? Audio and video technicians. Um, website administrators. Do we even have anybody for the website yet? We do. All right, good. Um, but you can certainly help out with that. There's social media coordinators. We, we have Facebook now. We've got all kinds of stuff. Treasurers, kitchen workers, nursery workers. I mean, the list goes on and on. But there are opportunities for you to serve the people here. Okay? You've got to get involved in that so you can discover what your gift is. Okay? And if you know what your gift is, then we've got to develop it. Right? If someone gives you something to use, right, as a steward, you don't just hold on to it, right? God has given it to you so you you can use it, so you can use it. Listen, in in conclusion, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3 says this, If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Brothers and sisters, we have been called to liberty. Right? And because of that, Paul commands us, do not use your liberties for an opportunity of the flesh. Right? But he says, in love, serve one another. All these things that we've talked about. Okay? You could be of the greatest service <laughs> to mankind here. You put anything else you want in there. As I said, the examples they have here is, is amazing. You could give everything you have for the work of the Lord. You could give your life as a martyr. As a martyr. And if it's not done in love, Paul says you gained nothing. Nothing. <laughs> well, this, this command that God has given us, it has to be done in love. Right? It, it has to be motivated by love. Not only love for the Lord Jesus Christ, but love for your brothers and sisters. 1 John 3, verse 18 says this, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. God's word itself says, if you love your brothers and sisters, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to do something. Stop saying it all the time. Okay? Don't love just in word or tongue. Okay? Love in deed as well. Okay? In love, serving one another. And remember, we can only love if we are free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you again for setting us free. Thank you for uh, paying that redemptive cost there at Calvary's cross. Thank you for setting us free from rules and regulations, setting us free from the bondage of sin. We're so grateful for our liberty this morning. We just ask this morning again that we would use the liberty that you have given us uh, to obey your command. Uh, to serve one another in love. Help us each and every day to be in bondage to one another. Um, We're so grateful uh, for thy um, tremendous salvation, but we're also so thankful for the gifts that you have given us. And uh, we do pray that you would help each and every one of us to understand the importance of being a good steward of the gifts that you have given us. Um, We want to be those who are... um, trustworthy servants, uh, that you have given us something that you've trusted, entrusted to us and that we would be um, ones who use it uh, in, in a proper way as to um, fulfill this law of Christ 
and also to um, glorify your name. So we certainly ask for your help in these things. Uh, We're grateful for so many that we can serve here. We're grateful for the many opportunities that we have to serve. And so, Lord God, just help each and every one of us to um, discover ways in which we can in love serve one another. Um, And uh, so, Lord God, we just commit this to you, uh, giving you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.